Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, and uh, I'll begin reading with verse 1 there. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. And did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. This is kind of an interesting uh, verse of Scripture here, but I want to use this to frame our subject here tonight around this, and that is the rock that follows, the rock that follows. Praise the Lord. We need the Lord's help. We need His blessing and His anointing. On the remainder of this service, would you pray with me right now that the Lord would be with us. He would help us. God, I'm asking you to bless this service here tonight. Bless your word to the hearts of every hearer, every person that is assembled in this building. I pray, God, for your strength, your touch, your help upon their lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. We thank you for it. Amen. Would you give praise to the Lord again before you're seated? Thank you for standing and you may be seated. The Apostle Paul uh, teaches the Corinthian church a great deal about the history. If you study through and you read through uh, the verses of Scripture through First and Second Corinthians, you'll find that he teaches them a great deal about the history of the Jewish people. Of course, these were not Jewish-born people. They were Corinthians, and uh, they no doubt knew some things as a result of their studies and their observations, but Paul was uh, articulate in revealing more things to them and teaching them more things. He was able to connect the dots for this people who did not have a uh, Jewish background. And the reason why the background of the Hebrew people was so significant is because God's blessing, God's favor, and God's hand was upon these people. These were people that had a covenant with him. And even in Romans, we find that the Apostle Paul makes this statement. He said, what advantage is it to be a Jew? And then he goes on to say, much in every way. And the reason why knowing and having... uh, 
really an understanding of the background of this nation of people is important is because God is revealing some things about himself and his own nature through them. And even now understanding certain Jewish customs and practices in the Word of God uh, aids us in understanding things about Scripture that we need to understand more clearly. It also helps us to better understand, as it were, the nature of God or why God does some of the things that He does. And in so doing, it was going to, He was going to use, uh, God was, His people as an example, as a pattern to reveal some things about Himself. And all of this is so that He could show them and reveal to Him his ultimate plan, and uh, revealed to him some things uh, concerning his nature that he wanted them to know. So the Apostle Paul refers to this uncommon experience that the Israelites had in the wilderness after miraculously escaping Egyptian bondage where they were for over 400 years Now, you understand that for the entirety of that 400 years, they were not necessarily ruled with rigor, but they were there. Uh, Maybe it was not oppressive bondage, but they were still under the hand of the Egyptians. And then that bondage became uh, more intense. It became persecution. They were serving the Egyptians, as the Scripture says, with rigor. And they began to cry out to God. And so they were miraculously delivered from Egypt. And that is a story within itself, how God brought the plagues against Egypt. And uh, we know that Pharaoh, being very reluctant at first to release God's people, eventually, after these plagues bombarded Egypt, one right after another, he was able to, Uh, to allow them to leave. And all of the requirements and the demands that Moses made was met and they uh, was able to flee Egypt. And we know that Pharaoh did not allow this to last long. He had a change of heart and he sent his army to pursue them. And then this is where really our scripture is taking reference to how that they were let out under the sea and what that means is through the sea they were delivered the seas uh, the Red Sea parted and we know that they were able to walk across on dry ground and then all of their Egyptian captors were drowned in the sea and then they were led by the cloud which is typical of the Spirit of God they were given guidance by that cloud that would lead them. Uh, There was a pillar of fire at night to keep them, and there was a cloud by day to lead and also shield them from the harsh sun and the elements and lead them through the wilderness. And they would follow that cloud just as we are instructed of the Lord to follow the Spirit and be directed of the Spirit in our own lives. But after escaping Egypt, they were thrust into an entirely different atmosphere, an entirely different environment and way of living. Uh, 
while they were in Egyptian bondage, yes, they were ruled with rigor. Yes, they were driven daily as slaves. Yes, they were beaten and they were mistreated. But their uh, basic needs, food and water and shelter, all of those things were met by the Egyptians. But now, after their deliverance from Egypt, they embarked upon an entirely different lifestyle. And this would be one of faith. This would be one of trusting God and walking with the Lord daily. This is really the first glimpse that we have in the Scripture of what was to come and being uh, a Spirit-filled Christian. Of course, this was not all of it. This is only just a glimpse or a foreshadowing of what is to come. But we see through this a lot of things that parallel you and I and where we live today in our relationship with God. This would be a walk of faith. And how many knows that we are engaged in a walk of faith. This would be a walk of trusting God. And how many knows that we live in a time period in our relationship with God when we trust Him and we rely upon Him. We rely upon Him for protection. We rely upon Him for provision. We rely upon Him for our spiritual needs. We rely upon Him uh, to direct us in our decision-making, in our uh, day-to-day lives, to give us wisdom of how to conduct our lives. And, of course, we have the Word of God, but aren't you thankful that we also have the Spirit of God to direct us? We're Spirit-filled. We're born again. And because of this special relationship that we have with God through the power of the Holy Ghost, you, you realize Old Testament saints didn't have this. You realize that that patriarchs that even exhibited great faith in the Word of God, they did not have this special uh, relationship that you and I have. In fact, uh, I'm sure that they would have given anything to experience the fullness of what you and I experience today. They only had a portion or a part or maybe just a glimpse. We see Uh, On certain occasions, the psalmist David, making reference to the Spirit of God, even called it the Holy Spirit, and he makes reference to it. Uh, This was a man that was aware uh, through what God had revealed to him that there was coming a day that there was going to be a change, there was going to be a difference, and man was going to be able to walk just a little bit closer to God. But it seems that David wanted to press his face against the veil as it were and get just as close as he possibly could amen and I wonder if we could not have that same desire in our relationship with God as some of these old faithful stalwarts of the scripture and their faith they pursued and they got to the very edges of all that they could have and all that they could receive and you and I we live in a place of bountiful blessings We live in a place of abundance. The scripture said abundant life. Amen. Life more abundantly. Praise God. And it is so important for you and I to have a spirit and attitude that I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm not just going to settle for something second rate or just get by for that matter. 
but I want to pursue more. I want to be reaching for more. Help me to have the spirit of the Apostle Paul that said I'm pressing for the mark. Help me to have the attitude of these men of God in the Scriptures that that began to reach and to pursue through prayer, through faith, through worship into the realms of God. And they wanted all that was available to them. It'd be a sad thing just to live a survival existence It'd be a sad thing just to to live your life and relationship with God just at a meager level, at just a uh, basically a satisfactory level. You know, when I was going to school, uh, they they had a a part on your progress report, and uh, they would either uh, put an N or an S. There wasn't an A, B, C, or D, or God forbid F. It was just an S or an N. And what S stood for is satisfactory, and what N stood for is needs improvement. And if I got some N's on my report card, and this basically pertained to your conduct and, and uh, your, your personal, uh, you know, the way you related to others and how you conducted yourself in class and your own personal discipline and all that. But if I got some N's on the back of my report card, then I was in I was in need. Uh, uh, well, I, I was in need of uh, uh, some band aids when I when I had to show that to my parents. You get what I'm talking about because my parents certainly believed in corporal punishment. No matter what the school believed, they believed that if they didn't whip you there, uh, they would take care of it at home. And uh, if they did whip you there, then you'd still get taken care of at home because they didn't think necessarily they did a good enough job. I don't guess. But anyhow, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, that's satisfactory. That is, that's just kind of meeting a certain quotient. That's just coming up to a certain level. That's just uh, breaking even. It's kind of what it sounds like. But I'm thankful in our relationship with God, we don't have to live at just a satisfactory level. We don't have to just live in an attitude and spirit of just getting by. We don't have to just... Uh, Uh, go through the motions as it were in our relationship with God. But whatever experience and whatever level of experience that I have at this time, I know that there's more for me because I'm serving an abundant God. Amen. There's no ceiling to what I can obtain. There's no uh, plateau that that I can reach, that I can go no further. There's no, no place that I cannot... Uh, that I can get to, that I can advance no more from there. But I can always advance in my relationship with God. That's a that's quite a deal, isn't it? You can get as close to God as you want to get to Him. You can be all for God that you want to be. You can receive all from the Lord that you want to receive. You can have as deep a relationship as you want to have. And you can ascend the heights in God as far as you want to. I'm so thankful for that. God doesn't put limitations on that. God doesn't, God doesn't have a, a place where he said, okay, that's, that's far enough. But he, he says as much as you want and as much as you desire. And so they are uh, pushed into this atmosphere. Now they've walked out of Egypt. No longer do they have the reliance upon Egypt for food and basic uh, needs and and just uh, sustenance to get by. But they have to depend upon God for everything now. 
And uh, one of the most critical needs that they would have, of course, in their travels would be water. So God instructed Moses when they found themselves in need of water. He instructed Moses to gather the people around a rock that was in the wilderness. And in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 11, he would smite this rock and the result would be that water would come out of it. And that was a miraculous thing. Uh, I don't believe that I've ever seen such a thing occur or even close to it. Uh, But it is an amazing thing that this rock that was otherwise dormant in an inanimate object before and uh, Moses walks up on it I don't know how large the rock was Uh, you know sometimes we get to thinking in our mind well it had to be pretty good sized rock because um, you know they had a big group of people over a million strong that was there to water all of those it had to be such a a large rock. Well, you think about it, it wouldn't really matter how big it was. A million people, still a million people, and that's probably a very conservative figure of how many people that was in that throng that had to receive drink from that rock. So really the miracle would be no greater if it was large or if it was small. So I don't know exactly how large this rock was, and even more bizarre was is the fact that the scripture indicates that this rock followed them on their journey. And, and some people may have trouble with that, but they probably have trouble with other uh, situations in the Word of God, like Jonah being swallowed by a whale. And uh, I know it really doesn't say the word whale. We assume that, but it does say a, a great fish, and uh, we, we assume that it was a whale. But I don't have any problem believing that. And then uh, some would say, well, you know, being in there, uh, in that well for the matter of days that he was there, that even seems more bizarre. But you know, if you can believe that a well would come by and swallow a man, then I guess you could believe that God is able to sustain him. And uh, and then uh, that even gets a little bit more bizarre, some people say, in that he was... was, uh, you know, vomited out upon the shores of where he needed to be. And uh, he was right in Nineveh where he needed to be preaching when uh, the well uh, vomited him out on dry ground there. And they say, how's all these things? Well, again, we live for God by faith. I said we live for God by faith. And I would just say this, that it takes a whole lot more faith to me to believe that we come from some microscopic organism that fell into water somewhere because of some cosmic collision. And as a result of that, you've got a man and a woman uh, walking the face of the earth today that has all of these millions of cells and organisms living in their body. Well, I'd be more apt to believe that Webster's unabridged dictionary came out of a publishing house explosion than to believe that, you know, you and I just came out of a cosmic collision. I don't believe that. I have faith in God's Word, and there's some things in the Word of God you cannot necessarily, you know, theorize, and and you cannot uh, uh, spiritualize them even. You have to take them literally for what the Word of God says. And that's how we view 
the word of the Lord. I heard one man said to me, you know, what if I, we were sitting on a plane together and he was obviously an agnostic or, or maybe even worse, uh, an atheist. And he said, what if I was to uh, prove to you that through your Bible and through some historical accounts that I have, that there are times when the Red Sea and in certain places was a very shallow uh, sea at certain times of, of the year and certain times of drought and what have you, that it was a very uh, shallow in those days. And, and possibly they were able to walk across it without it being divided, the sea being divided. I said, well, that's even more amazing to me because, you know, the Bible says that all of those Egyptians was drowned in the sea. And so, you know, if it's like you say, if it was only six inches deep is maybe your suggestion, uh, then it is even more amazing that all of that great army of the Egyptians was drowned in six inches of water. Praise God. Well, we have to take the Word of God and we have to apply faith and stand on the Word of God. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word is going to stand the test of time. I'm thankful for the Word of God. And, uh, you know, uh, it's very easy for, for people to take certain portions of the Word of God and twist it and demean it to, to mean whatever they want it to. But uh, this particular story about this rock that we find is giving us some foreshadowings and first clues of what Christ would be to you and I. That's what this is all about. That's why this rock was was revealed to us in the way that it's revealed to us in the Old Testament story of Moses and the people of God coming out of Egypt and walking through the wilderness. And uh, Paul said, and that rock was Christ. He said that right here in our text. Isaiah prophesied about it as Paul referred to it in Romans chapter 9 and verse 33. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul tells us, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So he is our rock in a world that is so fluid in a world where there's nothing stable, in a world where there's nothing solid, there's nothing really that you can put your feet on and stand on that is not shifty and shaky and uh, is not caving in. I'm here to preach to you tonight that we have a rock, and that rock is Christ. Aren't you thankful that you know who Jesus is? Amen. And the rock that I'm preaching about is solid. The rock that I'm preaching about is stable. The rock that I'm preaching about is not to be anything that is questionable or inferior to anything this world may bring or try to use as a substitute. I'm so thankful that I know the rock Christ Jesus. And we all at times need a rock. Amen. You hear people refer to it a lot of times. They say, well, that 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 person is my rock or or that, that situation, that's a rock in my life. Or that institution is a rock. That's something that I can stand on. And that's something I put my faith in. 
But uh, you know, people have the uh, the un, uh, the uh, the unfortunate of of having or the misfortune of having that rock fail them at times. They have the misfortune of having that rock not be there for them when when they really depended on it or when they really trusted that it was going to be there. The psalmist said in uh, 18 and 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom will I trust? my buckler, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. In 27 and 5, he says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock, and he shall establish my goings. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that I have a rock, and that rock is Christ Jesus. You need a rock in your life. There's times when you're going to need something solid. You're going to need something that you can build your life upon that will stand the test of time, will not crumble when circumstances challenge you, will not crumble when it seems like the world is bombarding you, will not crumble when everything is shaken. It's something that remains. It's something that is stable. It is something that is consistent. Amen. I'm thankful that I know the rock Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give praise to the Lord right now. The psalmist said in 61 and 2, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. And when my heart is overwhelmed. Anybody ever felt overwhelmed? Oh, yeah, you can be overwhelmed by, by pressures financially. You can be overwhelmed by pressures uh, that are going on in your world relationally. You can be overwhelmed by pressures uh, that are taking place mentally. Uh, the battleground of your mind can be a very fierce place at times that the devil tries to take advantage of and establish strongholds the Bible tells us in. Do you understand that he tries to establish strongholds and fortifications in your mind? But the Bible says that we have to pull down those strongholds and every thought and evil imagination that would exalt itself above the throne of God. We have to take responsibility and pull them down. How do we do that? We do that through the help of the Holy Ghost. We do that through using and invoking the name of Jesus, uh, this rock that I'm preaching about here tonight, uh, amen, when we have the name of Jesus, uh, we have authority on our side. I read to you earlier that he is the horn of our salvation. You know what that represents? That represents, that horn represents power and authority. I'm going to tell you, you don't have some weak, anemic uh, uh, salvation. You've got something that's powerful. You've got something that lasts. You've got something that endures. You've got something that will be there when you need it. You've got something you can use against the powers of this world that try to come against you and bombard you. It doesn't matter what the attack of the enemy is. No weapon formed against us shall prosper, the Bible said. We can call on the name of the Lord. Amen. I said we can call on the name of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, we need a rock. 
We, we need a rock, and we know where to go. We know who to call on. When we need something solid, I know where I can run. And uh, when I need safety, I know who to appeal to. When the earth around me, the song says, is sinking sand. On Christ, that solid rock, I'll stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You go to the rock. I know that the experts of this world are so-called experts, but they're always, they're always trying to discredit, and they're always trying to give uh, their advice or their view on the situation. College professor once told me, we all interpret the Bible differently. And this is where we use the what is called the Thomas Theorem. And uh, what that is is every man's reality is according to his situation. And so you apply it according to your situation. I said, man, that's interesting. I said, why don't the laws of the land work that way? So when I'm going down that highway and I see those blue light specials behind me, so I'm going to remember what you said. I'm going to invoke that Thomas theorem. I'm going to say this situation applies to my, or this reality that I'm experiencing just applies to my situation. You know, I'm in a hurry, officer. You know what? That doesn't matter because there's a statute. There's a law. It's already been settled. It's already been ruled on. You can't change it just because your situation uh, you may have an excuse, you may have a reason, you may have a purpose, but your situation, you can't apply that. You, you can't apply the Thomas theorem to the law. Well, you can't apply it to the Word of God. It's forever settled. It's already been ruled on. It's a statute that don't change. It's there. Amen. It doesn't change. There is one God, the Bible said, and the devils also believe and tremble. The Bible said you must be born again of water and of spirit. The Bible said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you unto myself. That's established in the Word of God. The Bible tells me to be holy because He is holy. The Bible tells me that uh, without holiness no man shall see the Lord. These are established principles in the Word of God. I can't change it. You can't change it. We could debate it. We could argue it. But it's there, and you can't apply some fictitious theory, amen, that man has come up with to try to change the Word of God. Amen. Because it's there. Just because I want it to be my reality. Just because it fits my narrative or my situation. Oh no. I've got to align my life to the Word of God. Amen. I can't interpret it just to, to, to fit my particular situation. The experts miss it. Just like they did when it came to Jesus. 1 Peter 2 and 7 says... The stone which the builders, we're still talking about Christ the rock, the stone which the builders, these were the experts. These were the people that were supposed to be able to identify stones that were used to build with. They were the ones that were supposed to be able to identify what would be a good cornerstone. And they disallowed it. They said it's, it's not something we can use. But that same was made the head not just a stone on the building. It was made the head of the corner, the Bible said. It was used as a cornerstone that would give measurement for the entire structure. 
the entire church, in other words, that the Lord is trying to build and endeavoring to build would be established from that cornerstone. You understand? And that's been laid. Everything else, everything else can be torn down, but that cornerstone still remains. That corner, they, there's buildings that have been wrecked because of storms and are no longer there because of storms. But they dig down through the rubble and they find the cornerstone. They said, we can build this building back from this cornerstone. I'm going to tell you a lot of things may happen, but as long as the cornerstone can be found, you can still build from there. You can still, as long as you can get back to this, if you can get back to Christ the rock is what I'm trying to say. If you can put your feet back down on the rock, you can build a life back from there. It doesn't matter how much havoc, how much destruction, how many winds have assailed you, how much... Waters can pass you. I'm talking about your life. How many storms you've had, how fierce the wind has been. I'm telling you, if you can get back to the cornerstone, you could build your life again because it's from that cornerstone that life, amen, and the construction of a life can be restored. Amen. I'm thankful that I know the rock Christ Jesus. I said I'm thankful that I know the rock Christ Jesus. He is our rock. Somebody say that. He is our rock. Matthew chapter 7 talks about two builders. One that built on sand because it was convenient. Seemed like, man, it would be a whole lot easier rather than to find a place to build upon the rock or to dig down to bedrock. That's going to take a lot of time, sacrifice, and energy. I think I'd just like to build on top of the surface soil. You know, when they build buildings like this, or even much smaller, they don't just go out here and just start building on the grass, start constructing. I mean, you might do that for a storage building, but you're not going to do that for a real building. You might do that for a doghouse, but you're not going to do that for something that's going to withstand tornadoes, not something that's going to house your family. And it certainly wouldn't meet the criteria of the inspectors if you just built it on topsoil. You can't even lay a parking lot without digging down past the topsoil and getting down uh, beyond that into a more solid surface and preparing, putting footing in and doing different things. This is all required in building. Well, can I tell you it's the same way. In our relationship with God, you got to make sure you're building your life on the rock, Christ Jesus. Amen. Make sure you got your foot on something solid when you start trying to stand for God and live a life for God. You, you can't just be on the sinking soil. You know, uh, you can go out into your yard right now. You, you probably have no place in your yard that you couldn't go and it doesn't feel like concrete because it's so dry out. But when the rains start coming in, you could go out there and you could sink up to your ankles if you're not careful in some places. Isn't that right? Uh, you know, because uh, soil, it, it absorbs the water and becomes muddy and, and then we got a mess. and There's mud holes and all of that. Well, that's why when you, when you go to stand upon 
the truth and you go to stand upon things that are solid, they're not shaky because of conditions. They're not going to be shaky because of the result of, of, of environment and circumstances. There's something that's solid. There's something that's going to stay consistent. Amen. When, when that flood came upon this, uh, these two builders' structure, uh, the one that built on the sand and the one that built on the rock. The flood came to both of them. I'm going to tell you, everybody's going to be tested. The Bible said that. It tells us that every man's work is going to be tested. And it's going to be uh, to see, it's going to be manifest to all what, what material has been used and what you built with, in other words. And, and it's going to be revealed. It may take some time, but lives are revealed over time. Amen. Uh, what a person's made out of is revealed over time. Sometimes it takes a little while to show up. You know, if you if you was to start building something and you were a few inches, maybe four or five inches off when you started, when you started building, uh, it, it might not be detectable immediately. But I promise you by the time they start trying to put these walls up here and try to put these steel girders in place and try to put everything and get the sheetrock fitted on, you're going to have to start compensating somewhere because it's going to be revealed that there's some things that are off here. You'd look at a door jam and it wouldn't it'd just kind of be cockeyed. That's Greek for out of alignment. I guess that's better than cattywampus. I got a friend from Alabama. He said, I, my, I had to pray, my brother. He said, my spirit was kind of cattywampus. I said, what? Cattywampus, you know, kind of out of whack. I said, oh, okay, okay. I'm glad you explained that. But anyway, I learn new things every day. Praise the Lord. So if, you're, if you start out wrong, it's hard to end up right. That's why down here base level we got to start things building it right that's why we build a christian life on the principles of the word of god that's why you dedicate consecrate and commit and that's why faithfulness is important that's why prayer is important that's why worship is important all of this it, it may seem like man i want to get to the i want to get to the frills and the thrills man i want to get to the trim and i want to get to the things that have eye appeal i want to get to the color of the paint and and I want to get to the, I want to get to the, you know, the the style of of, of the furniture in the thing, and I, I want to get down to the how, how everything is going to be interior decorated and all that kind of stuff. Well, you got to start down there where it's not even seen; it's below the surface; it's beyond eye level. You know, it's down there where 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 people don't see it, and it doesn't receive much accolades, and it doesn't get much. Uh, uh, compliments, but therefore, uh, when you do that right, you can build a life. Praise God. It's amazing to me how things can be revealed through time. They, they tell us that things that happen in people's childhood and things that go on back there that they suppress, you know, after a while they started merging and they start coming out. I'm going to tell you, when you're born again, you can be uh, above all of that. 
amen, you can, you can come out of all of that. You don't have to succumb to those things. You're born again, the Bible said, in all things. And we have to believe what the Bible said, in all things become new. You're a new creature in Christ. You can't use that excuse forever, in other words. You can't go back to that and grab a hold of that when, when you mess up and when you fail and when you keep falling and keep stumbling around and making mistakes. Sooner or later, you're going to have to stand on the rock for, for, and, and take responsibility and make up your mind. I'm going to stand here and live for God. Praise the Lord. You believe that? Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. The flood comes to everybody. The flood's going to test everyone. It's going to happen. It's going to happen every time. It may, it may take a while, but it's going to, it may, may look like, man, that fellow down there in the sand, he's living the beach life. I mean, he's got, he's sipping tea and sitting back, absorbing the sun rays. And, and man, he's got, he's, he's got him a tiki torch stood up out there in the sand, and he, he's living the life, man. And uh, rubbing sand, the biggest... The biggest uh, uh, responsibility he has is, is rubbing suntan lotion on. I mean, you know, that's, that's just the life. But when the wind starts howling and the clouds get dark and heavy with rain, you better know that you built on the right things. Praise God. And everybody's going to be faced with that. Everybody's going to be faced with that. Some people want to get up here. They just want to gloss over all of that. Amen. I, you know, and when you see them, it's it's how high they jump and how how far they run and and how much uh, how demonstrative they are. But down there, down deep, there's no substance. There's nothing that is driving that. They have no, they have no stability. They they have no wherewithal to make it when the storm comes. I'm gonna tell you, friend. Amen. All of that needs to be a result of an inward relationship that you have with God. All of that needs to be the result of an experience that is settled in God. Amen. All of the all of the things that that we look at sometimes and we think are, are the ultimate. Uh, amen. All of that comes as an outgrowth of us having a real relationship with the Lord that is built on the right things. Can you say praise God? It's that rock that can also be spoken to. Moses was instructed to smite the rock in Exodus 17 and verse 6. But because this rock was a type of Christ, in Numbers 20 and 11, he was instructed to speak to the rock. It was already Christ, the typology here is that he would only be smitten once at Calvary. And can I tell you that he's already been to Calvary. He's already paid the price. He's already taken the stripes for our healing, the chastisement for our peace, and he's already bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He's already paid for it. To employ the power of this rock, all you must do is speak to him. All you must do is talk to him, and that's what prayer is all about, and, and lifting up our voice to him and calling on his name, amen, and reaching out to him. 
We don't have to do anything else. It doesn't require a work necessarily of the flesh, but it takes faith and it takes belief and it takes a prayer life to reach out to the Lord. And we know as we begin to reach out to God and we begin to seek the face of God and we begin to call upon the name of the Lord, we know that he will respond to us. We know that he will work in our lives. We know that he will hear us if we will speak to him. Somebody needs to learn how to speak to the rock. Amen. Praise the Lord. And that rock is Christ, Paul said. Know how to talk to him. Amen. Not just when in trouble. Not just when not just when a situation arises. Not just when there's a great need. Not just when terrible crisis comes. But learn how to speak to the rock. Amen. Israel. Israel knew how to, to talk to God. Sometimes they only did it when they were in a crisis. You see that in Scripture several times. People, the only time they reach out to God and they talk to God is when they were in crisis. I'm going to tell you, our relationship with God should be deeper than that. And then this phenomenon is that that rock, it's a rock that followed them, the Scripture said. Israel had made some bad decisions and they had made some bad choices. They would taken some wrong turns. But he did not desert them. He did not cast them aside. He kept following them. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the mercies of God? The psalmist said in 23 and 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's a rock that follows. In the book of Exodus, just prior to going over and across or through, if you want to say it that way, the Red Sea, the Bible tells us in Exodus 14, 13, 14, leading up to this, it tells us that there was an angel that would lead them out and guide them and direct them in the path that they should go. But when they reached the other side and when they had went through the Red Sea, you find this in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 19, the Bible said the angel that was before them went and stood behind them. Behind them, meaning between them and Egypt. Between them and and their enemy. Amen. I'm thankful that mercy stands between me and the world that God called me out of. I'm thankful that mercy was good enough to bring me into the truth, but mercy still there to ensure and help me to be able to walk in this truth and be able to live for God and serve the Lord. And the Bible said it came around, the angel did, behind them. Now, I just want to illustrate this. Brother Mikey, would you, would you help me, my brother? This is mercy. What's your name? Mercy. mercy. Mikey, mercy. Yeah. Mercy, mercy. Okay, we're, we're doing good. Amen, brother. Would you help me? And he's dressed in black. 
Brother Augustine is dressed in black and he is going to be my enemy or my former captor. This for tonight. Mercy was first out ahead. And the Bible says there was an Egyptian army. And I know they were drowned in the Red Sea. But there's a lot of other things that this could represent. You know, there, there was still some things. There were some longings to go back to Egypt. There was a mentality that had to be overcame to not go back to Egypt because there were certain tests that they encountered in the wilderness. There also were, were other things that could have led them to go back to Egypt because, again, they were taken care of as far as their basic needs were taken care of in Egypt. Yeah, they were ruled with rigor, but sometimes you forget how bad it was in the world. You say, well, at least I had something to eat, bless God. At least I had plenty of water to drink. They weren't trying to threaten my water being shut off. And here we are out here. We don't know where our next drink's coming from. We sure don't know where our next bite's coming from. And so mercy is leading. And when they come through, come on, follow me now. You're after me. You know, and I used to take the trash out. We lived on Old Country Road at one point, And to take the trash out, you had to go way down yonder to the street and take it out. Now, I was just a little boy, but it was my job. And sometimes I would put it off until the last thing, you know. And my mom, I'd come in, just getting ready to go to bed. She said, did you take the trash out there coming early in the morning? I said, ah, I'll get it in the morning, Mama. No, I've been telling you all afternoon to take that trash out. You go take it out right now. I said, but it's dark outside. I don't care whether it's dark. You should have done it, when it when, before the sun went down. I, I, uh, you know, they, I've been reading in the newspaper. They got an axe murderer out here that's on the loose. I don't care. He could be staying in our front yard in a pump tent. You're going to take the trash out. That's the kind, kind of deal I had, you know. You did what you're supposed to do. And so, all right. I was going to be tough, you know. I'd carry that trash, man. Ain't nothing going to bother me. Where's he at? I'd get him. And I walk, boy, the darker that gets and the more closed in it feels. And I'm just, you know, he's around every tree. He's, he's got to be lurking around every little branch that breaks. I think here there he is. That he's coming. <laughs> and finally, I get down there in the drive and I'm walking back, you know. And I just realize, hey, what am I playing Mr. Tough Guy for? I'm going to mess around out here, and uh, the boogeyman's going to get me after all. And so I'd see the lights at home, and I'd start running towards the lights, and I'd make it in the door and slam the door out of breath, you know. Mom would say, what in the world's going? Nothing, nothing. I'm fine. I'm, everything's okay. But the Bible says that that angel that was before them leading them came in behind them. Does that mean the devil quit pursuing? Does that mean the devil ever gave up trying to discourage them and trying to get them to turn back? No. But there was sta something standing between them and him. Amen. And the Bible tells us we got something standing between us and our former captor. Surely goodness and mercy. Uh, maybe I get goodness over here. I got mercy. Come on, goodness. Goodness got a smile on his face tonight. Oh, right here, goodness. All right. You guys follow me. 
Where are you, enemy? I can't see you back there. All I can see is, now don't you turn around. I, I, I need you right here. I need mercy right here. I need you blocking away. And you see, mercy's there and goodness is there, and it's hard for me to see my enemy. If we'll stay where we need to be, goodness and mercy will follow us, and it'll block the view. Come on, I don't want to look too much and too close and try to find a way to find out what, what the enemy and the things of the world looks like. I got goodness and mercy. Why do I need to look any further? Amen. I got something that will keep me. Why do I need to look beyond that? Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for the goodness and the mercy of the Lord in my life. Why don't you stand to your feet right now? Lift up your hands and let's praise the Lord together for His goodness and mercy. That follows us. Amen. Praise God. I got a rock that follows me. I got I got Christ. I had a friend tell me this story one time. He said, He said he was out fishing. And he said, You know those aggressive cottonmouths. He said, That joker swam up there. And he said, I went looking around, and I, he was fishing off the bank. He said, I went looking around, and he found a big old rock. And he said, I got you now, buddy. And he said, I lift that thing up over my head, and I threw it. And he said, and it went and missed it. Went right in front of it. And he said, that snake went wham, 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 right on that rock. And he said, you know what? I got to thinking about that. And I thought, man, that kind of fits right here with this sermon that I'm preaching tonight. Amen. We got something between us. We got a rock between us and the enemy that wants to destroy us. I said, we got a rock between us. Brother, brother uh, Jim and I, we were out running on a trail here not too long ago. I've been trying to get him in shape. And uh, having a hard time, him trying to keep up with me, you know. And uh, I'm just joking. And uh, I'm going I'm to face the music after this. But anyway, we were out running on this trail. And we had already ran down the trail, and we were running back. And we noticed this couple. And they were looking. And they was down. They had it. One of them, the man had a stick, and he was going like this. I said, I said something about being a snake. He said, oh, yeah, I've got a copperhead here. And he said, we're just going to move him off the trail. <laughs> we're going to move him off the trail. I said, so he can bite me the next time I come down here, huh? We're going to move him on. These are some nature lovers. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and uh, so Brother Jim, he said, let me help you with that. <laughs> And he got a stick, and he said, I'm going to move him a little further off the trail. He took it, he slung it about a 50 feet over there, and the, he said, if me and him agreed, if they hadn't been there, we wouldn't have been moving him off the trail. He'd just been a, a specimen for everybody to behold where we had stomped him into the trail. But anyway, we moved him off the trail. I'm looking forward to the day that we encounter him again and we're able to take care of him once and for all. But what am I trying to say? You know, we don't need just to move things over to meet for a later date. Amen. But we got a rock. Amen. We need to use that rock. And that rock is Christ Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Come on, it's time you use the rock. It's time you start using the name. It's time you start calling on the name. It's time you start invoking the name. It's time you start praying in the name of Jesus. Aren't you thankful for the rock, Christ Jesus? That rock that follows us. Why don't you give Him a praise right now? Why don't you give Him thanks from your heart right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God.